Hi everyone, welcome to Coffee in Space, where we have conversations with sci-fi and fantasy authors about the characters we love and the journeys they take. Morgan Bussey joins us today to talk about her steampunk series called Sky World. Our conversation focuses on book one of that series called Secrets in the Mist. I like what I've gotten out of Secrets in the Mist. I think you'd like this book. Uh, and I'm not a super huge steampunk fan, so but I'll say that it's easy to get into if you're not already attached to the to the subgenre of steampunk, and, it, and it's an enjoyable ride. Morgan is a wife and mother as well as an author. She's written a little sci-fi, a lot of fantasy, and now steampunk. She's won awards for her books. I think you're going to like this interview. Let's get to it. Morgan Bussey. Morgan Bussey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having Coffee in Space with us today. Thank you for having me today. I am very excited about this interview because I think you are the first steampunk writer that I have been privileged to interview. That makes me feel good. Although I want to see the genre grow more, so hopefully you'll meet more steampunk so, writers. The funny thing is, like, I've, I've never really... Uh, uh, you know, true confession. I, your your book is also basically the first steampunk novel I've read as well, <laughs> uh, and and I have enjoyed it. I, I confess, I just don't understand a whole or don't I just don't know a whole lot about the genre, the subgenre itself. Actually, let me just ask this: Is steampunk its own thing, or is it a subset of sci-fi? What say you? I'd say it's a subset of sci-fi. Because usually it's it's more science fiction. It is technology-based a lot, yes, right? Yes, uh, technology, and it has to be ran on Steam. And it usually either borrows from the Victorian era for mm. a historical background mm. or the Wild West. But you have to have yeah. steam-powered technology and... Um, stuff like that. So that's cool. Um, I, I did a, uh, I, I was just messing around and I wrote a little short story about a, it really it started as a Western short story and became a, you know, uh, goggles and top hats and stuff by the time it was done. So, you know, and I don't know what I'm doing, so it's kind of fun to just play <laughs> around with the story, but, um, okay. So, you know, uh, the audience knows that I tend to ask, my guess this or it you know if it comes up randomly it's great so uh your website suggests that you are a lover of tea but you confess something to me before we started talking and that is that you do love coffee as well the podcast is called coffee in space so i ask you how do you take your coffee uh so um like I shared with you before the podcast started, my husband is definitely a, a coffee connoisseur. So I have grown to love coffee um, because he chooses out really good coffee. And in my opinion, the best coffee is a dark roast of some sort with cream in it. I don't mm. mess with milk. I don't mess with syrups. I just like that cream cutting through the bitterness and it just tastes yeah. so good. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. my favorite way. <laughs> that's great. I'll have to get recommendations from you and your husband here after, uh, after we stop uh, recording. Cause I'm always on the lookout for a new one. I, I, I can drink anything from the cheap stuff to something not quite so cheap. Uh, so I can, uh, I can see myself on both sides of the thing. And I do also use creamer. Uh, I'll throw a little sugar in there too. Uh, when, I'm not accounting for it on my diet plan, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, that's great. That's cool. Uh, we do. Oh, and, and darker roast too. So I'm kind of a, a medium roast guy. I used to even be breakfast blend. I wanted the, it apparently had more caffeine per, mm -hmm. you know, cubic 
centimeter or something, whatever volume yeah. is. But anyway, uh, I've moved on to kind of a, a more, a little more robust flavor. Uh, okay, so we've covered coffee, and that's always something important on this uh, this show. But what I want to ask you real quick, like, is how you got started into steampunk writing. Have you always been a fan of it, or you know, was it kind of a targeted mission of yours? How how'd you get going in steampunk? You know, it was more that when I started writing steampunk, the story itself lent itself to that kind of world. Um, one thing, if I wasn't writing science fiction or fantasy or any of that kind of stuff, I'd probably write historicals. And I love the Victorian era. It's such a such a fascinating era, especially because as someone who's also a science nerd, that's when a lot of science started growing. And what we are even using today was built on what we've discovered during that time period. Um, and so I've always loved that time period. And then but I never can stay quite in our world. <laughs> so I guess that's why um, when I started writing um, my stories that were set, I realized that there was a genre called steampunk. In fact, they say um, Jules Verne is kind of considered the grandfather of, of steampunk, you know, high adventure, science thrown in. Um, yeah, 20,000 leagues under the sea. Exactly. Things like yeah. that. Yep, exactly. So yeah, and I've always liked that I... stuff. That was one of my first introductions to science fiction back when I was a kid was, was 20,000 Leagues Under Sea is really, uh, you know, I haven't read in a long time. Maybe I should go back and reread it. But uh, so I guess technically you're not maybe the first steampunk I've read now that I think about it. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe Jules Verne beat you to it. But um, so, okay, that's, that's really neat. Um, and I guess that is kind of the steam in the steampunk, right? The Industrial Revolution was just getting ready to truly yep. kick off. Okay, and then the, and a lot of that technology was based on on steam, and then the gears that ran from steam engines. So that's yep. So you yeah, got I like got, clock clock mechanisms going on and and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really neat. Okay, great. And then uh, airships become because there are airships, there are floating things in your world as well. So how yep. do is that kind of just an offshoot of that? Because I can't remember when in real history they started showing up. <sighs> Um, near the, I would say the tail end of that, obviously we know that it didn't quite work out for their, our world because yeah. of, <laughs> of the Zeppelin and, or, um, yeah. stuff like that. So, but, um, so you don't always have to follow the exact science of that time period. Obviously I make up a lot of my own, um, inventions and, and gadgets and stuff, but what you want I usually like have trains and airships and stuff like that. And yeah. maybe um, I'll show something that uh, motorized vehicles are just starting to come onto the scene in my worlds yeah. and stuff like that. So I like to show the progression of science happening in my own world as well and how that happened, just like it was happening during that time period. Yeah. It's almost like, um, and maybe this is the Jules Verne part of this, that you really brought up something that interests me a great deal. I need to go do a little more research on it, but it's almost like, this is Victorian era sci-fi. Like if someone was in that yep. time period. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. And, yep. and for the, for my listeners, I'm so sorry that I'm the dunce that finally figured this out. So, um, but this, <laughs> thank you so much, Morgan, you've already helped mm -hmm. me so much. Um, okay. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but you also have floating islands in your book. How do those, uh, in secrets in the mist, how did that come about? Um, well, f to, for my world, I needed, a little bit more landmass because, um, you know, the whole world is in, in short supply. Yeah. <laughs> it is in short supply. And then um, one of the themes I explored in Secrets in the Mist is the 
people who had means and people who didn't. And I don't know, when I was a kid, we would play King in the Mountain and, you know, whoever's King in the Mountain pushes everyone else off. And I figured, well, in a world like this, where there's not a lot of land and stuff, who gets to live at the top? Well, those that are rich. Who gets pushed off the mountain? Those that are not rich. And where do the really rich live? They get to live up on islands and not even worry about anybody. Mm. So I I imagine islands that are floating in the air and just to get a little more sciencey, I figure it's it's something to do with magnets and the rock and it's held up. Um, one of my favorite movies is a Studio Ghibli uh, movie called Castle in the Sky. And they have actually a whole civilization that lives on a floating sky island. And so um, I always love that concept. And so I kind of based a little bit of my idea of sky islands floating in the sky held up by uh, magnetic rocks and stuff. So, yeah. That's really neat. Yeah, yeah that's really cool. So let me ask this. In um, in addition to steampunk, what other things have you written? I also or write is fantasy. steampunk your thing? Okay, so you also yep. do write. I do. Yeah. I usually I'll get tired of steampunk, so my next uh, series will be fantasy, and then I'm done with fantasy, so then I write steampunk. So I kind of alternate between each genre okay. um, every time I write a series. So that's 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 neat. Um, besides writing. What is something else that you're passionate about? So I guess you, you know, like what are you passionate about? Like saving the world or, or, (laughs) (laughs) well, for me, um, obviously you can't be a writer. Well, I guess you could be a writer and not love reading. I love reading. Um, but I'm also, (laughs) I'm also a video game player. I love to play video games. And most people are like, what? You're in your forties and you're a lady and you have four kids and you play video (laughs) games. (laughs) So, um, actually, um, right now I'm, I'm making my second way through Elden Ring. Oh, wow. Okay. Not just play video games. I kind of more hardcore. My son got me into the dark soil stuff. So you are pretty much, uh, not what I expected, uh, at all. (laughs) (laughs) So that's really, and, and all in good ways. That's really fun. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. So. Um, I mean, I'm 45 and I play video games. I mean, I play old man video games like Total War. But um, I still know. play the old stuff too. Yeah. Um, I got into video games. Um, my husband would play RTS games, real-time mm-hmm. strategy, you know, like Age of Empire, Age of Mythology. Yeah. And I'd watch over his so- shoulder and I thought, oh, this looks so fun. So this is before the internet. We would land our computers together. <laughs> I get our supplies. He would go conquer everything, and we worked together. And ever since then, that's um, awesome. Yeah, we, some we people don't know what that family. means to land it together, but that's, <laughs> right. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, that's really neat. So, okay, so the follow-up question to this is, you know, as we talk about what you're passionate about besides writing, is how do these things like reading, for example, or or even video gaming? You know, how did they filter through the writer's lens onto the page, these other passions? Sure. So for me, um, and I guess, you know, on a more serious note, things that I'm passionate about, I'm always asking questions, uh, always thinking of questions, looking at my world, asking questions. And I think um, that combined with I love immersing myself in the creativity of other people. A lot of times that's through their stories. Um, I also read manga I love to watch anime. I love all sorts of storytelling um, forms. Video game is definitely a, a, a storytelling form. And I go into these worlds and they trigger thoughts and they trigger questions that then I like to bring into my own stories. Like, who are we? Why are we here? Why is there disappointment? Why is there hurt? Why is the world the way it is? And how do we live this way? So yeah. um, you would say that, I would say that that those 
passions, the, those ideas come definitely come into my stories. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's deep right there. That's just really good stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I just speaking of reading though, um, I think it's interesting. This takes place, uh, gosh, I, I'm reading it on the Kindle. So I'm trying to remember exactly kind of what percentage area it was at. But uh, one of the things that happens to Cass once she's on, and I want to make sure I pronounce the ship's name right. Is it Daedalus? How do I pronounce yep, that? Yeah, I stole from the Greeks. Oh. Ha ha, got it. Yep. I thought that might be what was happening. So, uh, so she's on the Daedalus, and one of the things that the captain pretty much sets her to right away, aside from her cleaning duties, uh, and just general crew duties is uh, reading like he wants her to to learn how to read. And so I, I think that's interesting. And I don't know if that's something that you would have meant based on uh, your desires uh, surrounding reading, but it's something I picked up on now that you've mentioned it. Yep. Yeah. I wanted to show a captain who picked up people who and invested in them. That yeah. was his passion was to invest in people and whether they stayed on his ship or moved on to find other jobs um, that's the kind of person he was. So this, you know, if I reach way, way back in the memory bank, this is 1998. I'm thinking of, uh, this sort of thing actually happens. Now it wasn't a captain of a ship that did this for me, but I was waiting on my ship. Actually, I was, uh, back then, of course we didn't know everything. You couldn't just jump on Facebook messenger right quick or, you know, DM somebody, uh, in the late nineties. Uh, and I was waiting on my ship to arrive. And so I was kind of there twiddling my thumbs, picking up trash around the island of Guam. Uh, and this chief petty officer, uh, so senior enlisted man, um, set me down, handed me all of the books for my rating. So my job uh, code, my job classification, and mm -hmm. said, read these books and do the answers at the end of the chapters. And so um, he started me just, you know, I mean, I had no job really. And so he started me on understanding my job, understanding what was required of me, building up my knowledge base. And, uh, and really I'll, I'll never forget that guy. And the truth is I never knew his name. And so, uh, it's just kind of interesting how both those things played out. So when I read about the captain, I was like, yeah, that checks. There are people out there who just genuinely care about people in general and want yeah. them to succeed. And I thought that yeah. was really neat how he did that. Um, let me ask you this question. And I kind of want to see how it plays out in your story as well. So real life first, and then let's talk about how it com comes out in uh, Secrets of the Mist. But tell me something that you think real world would be better if it was different. Oh, well, you know, you can go anywhere from funny to serious, um, you know, so on a more serious note, something I've always told my children since they were very little, and I don't think a lot of people here is that the world is a better place because you exist in it. Mm -hmm. And I have told my kids that since they were little, I said, this world's just a better place because you're here. And my kids have grown up hearing that. And you can tell because they live that they really believe that and I wonder how many people, if someone had just told them and, and, and looked into their heart and their soul and said, you know what, I see something in there. There is a gem, there is a diamond. And I think that this world's a better place because you exist in it, how much that would change the world. So oh, that's good. Yeah. And uh, you'll yeah, probably start good. seeing that. You'll see that in my books when my people are discovering 
who they are. Yeah. What that gem um, is inside of them. Yeah, and I can see I can see how that plays out. Um so talking about theme really fast then based on kind of based on how you feel about that real world situation. Are there themes that you try to hit in your stories? Are there themes that come out naturally? Are there ever surprises that you didn't intend for as a theme? Kind of just yeah. let's play with that a question a little bit. I Most of the time, I don't sit down and go, hmm, I'm going to write this theme into my book. Rather, I'm writing a story. Um, I'm talking to a character. I'm talking to my character, seeing how they're living in their world, asking the world that they live in. And as I write this story, I start to realize this is what this is what their journey is going to be. This is This is what they're afraid of, where they're hurt. This is what their past has shaped them into. And then I want to go with them on their journey and see what's going to become of them. And not all of my characters become heroes or become good people because like all of us in real life, we make choices and lead us down on a path that makes us better people or sometimes doesn't make us better people or we never heal from that hurt or we do find healing from that hurt. And so um, I would say as I write, the theme starts to show what it's going to be. It shows itself to me. You know, I don't know that there's a right answer. I, I, I've definitely asked authors and some of them come out with, yep, I, this is what I wanted to hit. I just had to find a way to hide it correctly so that it didn't look uh, too obvious. And then there are others, uh, like what you're saying, where the story kind of helped them figure that out. So let's turn to Secrets of the Mist. We've been dancing around Secrets of the Mist uh, the whole conversation because that's, of course, my introduction to you as author. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit from the synopsis, uh, and this is readily available. It'll be on the link that you see in the show notes uh, for those of you uh, listening today. Um, but I'm going to read the synopsis or, or a little section of it. And then what I'd like to do is just we're going to we meet Cass, obviously, very early. She's the main character. And um, what I'd like to hear from you is just kind of an understanding of Cass, who she is, how she came to you. Things like that. So, so the synopsis here, the synopsis is, in a world where humanity lives in the sky to escape a deadly mist below, Cass's only goal is survival. That is, until she finds a job on the airship Daedalus as a diver. Now she explores ruined cities looking for treasure and people's lost heirlooms until a young man hires her to find the impossible, a way to eradicate the mist. Tell me about Cass. So I wanted a spunky, streetwise young woman for my for my character. Someone who has who has survived by the skin of her teeth on the streets, who has yet to be thrown off the mountain. Like I said, you know, it's kind of like king of the mountain in this world. Everyone's mm-hmm. trying to survive, and yeah. and uh, if you don't survive, you're tossed off. Um, so, but I also wanted to show someone who is curious and not necessarily afraid of things. And if I'm completely honest, a lot of cast was based on my youngest daughter. I always mm. asked, what what would she do? What, what, what would she say? Because she's my spunky little, um, her nickname when she was little was called Tiny Tough Girl. She's not afraid of anything. <laughs> she asks the world lots of questions. Um, she's a survivor. She... Um, she will not back down from anybody. And so that's who I wanted cast to be someone in a world where it would literally eat you up. She's not just surviving, she's thriving and she's finding her own path in this world. Okay. That's great. 
Um, and that, and that comes out just really super clear and early. Um, she also goes through some trauma. Uh, her parents, look, this isn't a spoiler folks. It's like in page on page five, but like her folks don't make it. Yeah. And I think that defines her at least early in the story. Uh, is that based is that was that for you the author to just give her something that she's going to struggle with? Uh, how did how did that come to you? Do you have that pain? Uh, kind of where did Cass get that? I well, one I needed to cut her off. She needed to be not ha- not having anyone in her life at that point because in some ways this is mm-hmm. found family. When she ends up on the Daedalus as part of her crew, that's going to become her family. Um, so I needed to cut her off, but I also wanted to show that despite a, a rough world where everyone's kind of cutthroat, her parents were still trying to do what was right, still trying to protect their family yeah. and ultimately protected her so she could have a life. Yeah. Uh, that, and you see those glimpses, even though they're really not, not in the story. Um, but you could, you could see where that came from. So what is something as you were writing this story, I know I'm asking you to think about a story that you've written and, and put aside and written other books since then, but what is something that you learned about yourself while writing this story? Um, I'm not like Cass. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time where I wrote a character who was a lot not like me in some ways. Um, so in real life, I'm a very shy introvert kind of person who... Uh, I don't want to be around. I, it's hard for me to talk to people. Some podcast is fine because you're on the other side of the screen, but um, I get really nervous when I talk to people, when I meet people. And so for me, it was really interesting putting myself out there and, and writing about someone who is not like me. And of course, a lot Mm -hmm. of times I went, okay, what would my daughter do? Because I needed a reference of, okay, I'm not like this. So what would a person who has this personality, who lives this kind of life, um, how would they react in this situation? What would they say? So did Cass, you've kind of alluded to it, so I think I know the answer, but did Cass help you write the story as you develop? First of all, are you a pantser or a planner? Uh, so m- both. I, I cannot start a story unless mm. I know what's going on. How is it going to start? How's it going to end? What are the major points of it? It's almost like a map through a forest, but you don't really know what's going to happen until you get into the forest and you realize, oh, there's this and there's that. Mm. And I expect this one creature to show up while I'm going across the forest. So I usually have what I call a map that I'm following for my plot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I actually get into the story, that's where I discover some of the more smaller details. Okay, that makes sense. So then how and where... Uh, or not where, but how, in what ways, in what ways did Cass help you write that story then as you got into it? Um, So a lot of times when I start writing, I try to really sink. I call it sinking into my character. I literally almost Mm. become my character. A lot of times I'll find a piece of music that reminds me of my character and I'll listen to it. So really I can get into their head, understand how they live, understand how they think. Um, And then, and then I throw them into the semi plot that I have and see how they're going to react, what they're going to say and, and what they're going to do. So, okay, that's, um, that's really so sometimes cool. Cass would be telling me, Oh, you know, I'm going to be totally jumping down into there. And yeah. <laughs> so for readers who are listening, 
we keep talking about a mist. This mist turns people, I call them the turned because they have turned. They're zombies, but they're scientific zombies. Um, they're, they're, there's no human left in them. They're just basically an animated corpse used by spores. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. Science zombies. Um, <laughs> and so I throw, the first time I throw Cass down into the mist and she's looking for something, you know, like any human being, she's afraid, but yeah, she's also thinking, okay, how am I going to survive this? What do I do? The last thing she has is she has a, a, a big old fat stick and she's just going to hit him and, and make a run for it. You know, she just... She's scared, but she's a survivor yeah. and she's going to do it. She doesn't freeze. Um, and I didn't, I knew that I wanted a character like that, but it wasn't until I threw her into that instance and she showed me what she was going to do. I realized who she was. And, and every time I throw them into this situation, they tell me, they show me, um, this is how I'm going to react in this um, situation. This is how I'm going to react in this chapter. Okay. So here's the question that I've got to ask, uh, I got to ask about zombies and I'll be honest. First of all, I'm not a, I'm not personally a super huge fan of zombies. It's not my thing. Um, one of the things that is so hard to, to kind of wrap my head around is how do we get, how do we get them in the first place? They're dead. They're decomposing. They're rotting. Uh, it seems to me like we could, we don't really need to worry about them at all. We just like, take a few steps away from them and then suddenly we're safe again. But you have tackled the problem, the scientific problem of zombies. Did you, when you set out to write this, did you write it or did you plan it in a way that you were going to tackle this issue or, you know, was this natural curiosity? <laughs> How did this um, work out? The idea for the book was a joke. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> So uh, when I have another steampunk series and it, it came out in 2016. And it, during that time, um, my husband and I were sitting around a table and he looked at me and he's like, you should do a mashup. You should do like, like steampunk meets zombies. And I'm like, what? Oh. I don't like zombies. <laughs> I'm like, what? no way. And all of a sudden, while he told me that, all of a sudden I had this idea. What if everyone had to live on mountaintops and in airships because there's this myth that turns people into zombies. But I never thought I would write the book mm. until um, my my agent was like, every time I finish a, a series, he's like, okay, what do you have next? And I usually have about four or five ideas. And, mm. and he was looking through it and he's like, oh, oh, let's go with this one. Which was funny because he said, I'm never going to do a zombie book. So here we are. <laughs> but I wanted to really approach it, one, from a scientific point of view, how would zombies happen? And I actually worked with someone who was a, um, oh, geez, microbiologist. I worked with a microbiologist who is um, actually, her speciality is uh, spores and fungus. Mm. So working with her, we figured out, now this isn't an, an uncommon thing. There are some zombie stories out there that, that use spores mm. to um, create their zombies. But I also wanted to fully make sure there was no soul left inside because yeah. when, when you leave someone who's actually still inside the body and they're having to deal with what their body's doing outside their control, if they're cognizant of or not, I just, that's a whole different story for another time <laughs> because yeah. then you really run into, I mean, it could be written in, and sometimes, like I said, I come to stories asking questions, but I wasn't ready to tackle that one yet. Yeah. That's huge. Uh, how much control, uh, yeah. 
there's yeah. a, there's free agency there or not. And yeah. uh, so I, I do actually like how you approach that. You, that comes out pretty quickly in the story that um, they're human. no longer there. They, they are a human <laughs> biological form, but that's not who they are anymore. So yep. that was really, I, I liked how you approached that. Um, okay. So Morgan, this has been fun. Um, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate our talk. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And maybe yeah. maybe I'll get you to drink tea instead of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I'll, I'll drink tea every now and then. Um, uh, I, I drank a lot of green tea when I was uh, stationed in Japan back in the day. It was, it was what I drank all the time. Uh, Morgan, how can we learn more about you and your work? Sure. Um, uh, on, the, on the internet, um, I have my own website www.morganlbussy.com. You can find out a lot about me and my books there. Um, of course, anywhere where books are sold, my books can be found. Um, I only steampunk is only half of what I've written. I've written a lot of fantasy, um, and then I'm on most of major social media, especially Instagram. So if you love animals, food, and books. Follow me and you'll get animal food and books. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll link to all of that. I'll, I'll link to your uh, website. I'll throw up uh, the stories that are in the uh, Secrets in the Mist uh, world. And, um, and then I'll link to some of your social media. Um, so, folks, take a look at the uh, show notes and learn more about Morgan. Uh, Morgan, like I said, it's been great having you here, folks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, it's meant a lot to me that you're here. It means a lot to me that you listen to this uh, the show every week. And that means a lot to me that you're willing to support the authors like I want to support the authors. Um, and I will hope I hope that you will share this episode with someone that you know would like it. So if you got a steampunk fantasy loving friend out there, go on and share this episode with them. Just hit the, uh, the little share button on there and uh, send it to their email or to their uh, social media feed. And uh, join me again next week when we talk to another author over a cup of coffee in space. 